0: I'm Brian Jones, and I'm Seth Martin, and this this is is The Real Real Estate Estate Investing Show. Show.
1: So, Seth, we have a live studio audience today. Would you like to introduce who we have uh, listening in?
0: Yeah, this is my little brother, Zach Martin. He's a new agent and just along for the ride today. We've got some other appointments after this. So, thought I'd bring him along.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, welcome to
0: my house, Zach Martin. Um,
1: so, uh, anyway, so wanted to touch base with you regarding last week's episode. Do you have any follow up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, following up on last week, the best advice we've ever received, I you know, continue to implement that advice. Uh, we are currently getting things get together with our townhome development, which has been, you know, uh, we've chronicled that a little bit on the show. And yeah, Glastonbury, right? It's Yeah, it's been kind of crazy, um, but we are... Now have footers in 12 of the units. Nice. Um, foundations in five of those units and framing starting today uh, on those five. We should have 12 units dried in by May 20th.
1: So I know previously we had talked about uh, you using
0: the drywallers and stuff that I use and the mm-hmm. painters. Did you ever get a bit from them? Um I reached out to them, and one of them talked to me about it. And then I don't know if maybe maybe it was too far for him, or gotcha. I don't know. He he kind of fell the off thing. The radar. He Just kind of fell the radar. Now uh, another guy that you talked to me about, um, Sean. Yeah, landscaping. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to end up using him. Yeah, his bid was his bid was. It was comparable to everybody else. It right. fell in within our budget. And um, the one thing that I really enjoy about him is that uh, he tactfully followed up all the time. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Long before you ever talked to me about him, I mean, I had been talking to him for gosh, a month and a half, two months, mm-hmm. um, and he, you know, he followed up religiously once a week. And and for me, communication is so important. You know, as far as project management goes, I'm still very, very new, and so I try to keep those same lines of communications with everybody that I'm working with. And the fact that he took the initiative to do that said all. I needed to know you so know.
1: I'll tell you a little story and the reason that when I found out that you were getting a bid from him that I mm-hmm. called you to say hey mm-hmm. you probably want to use him he did a quote for me sight unseen just based upon some pictures that I sent it and uh, they got there and the quote was super low it was like four hundred dollars Every other quote I got was over fifteen hundred. No, I'm sorry, over twelve hundred. Over twelve hundred. And uh, he got there. He's like Brian. He goes, look. He goes, I'll do it for four hundred. He said, but this is a thousand dollar job, easy. I said, look. I said, I knew when you said four hundred that you were gonna have to come back to me because it took it took him like nine hours. Um, I said, I knew you were gonna have to come back to me and say, hey, look, this job was too big. I just assumed you were gonna tell me at the end of the job that I had to pay a higher amount. I said, that's not what you did. What you did was come to me and say, hey, look, we'll do it for four hundred, but it's really a thousand dollar job at least. And I said, look. I said, double what I'll pay. Let's, let, let's both take it a little bit on the chin, right? Charge me 800. Uh, and then I'll be happy and you can be happy because you didn't have to pay 400 for right. this nine hour job. He goes, I'll do it. And, and so after that, he came by here actually to pick up a check. And, uh, that's when he told me he was doing a bid for you and asked if I knew you. And I, it was just funny because you know, that's he funny. just happened to throw your name out there. That's funny. And then that same day I gave you a call and said, Hey, if you're getting a bid from him, you may want to go with him.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. he's, he's very, um, He's very thorough, like I said, about follow up, and he was very thorough about his bid. You know, we bid it off the plans, of course, but it was his his bid was detailed. I liked that. Uh, that's the biggest thing, you know, like when you've done this, or I assume when you've done this for 20, 25 years, the details can be a little lost in translation, but sure. you know, for me, this is by far the largest project that I've done as far as being the project manager from ground level, the developer, all everything. I need the details, right? Like, because I, que- I I'm just naturally question everything. That's just who I am. Like I question, well, why is it this? And why is it that, and, you know? And it's funny, my partner, Craig Porter, the, my, and he and I have talked about this all the time. And he's like, look, I know you question everything and that's great. And he said, but <laughs> there's going to come a time where you won't have to, you know, he's like, once, once we get through Glastonbury, maybe do one other project. It's like, you'll be able to do this in your head on the fly, you know, and I like spreadsheets, you know, we've talked about that before. So like, I, I like being able to see it and, and touch it mm-hmm. if you will. Um, but I'm already kind of seeing that, you know, I mean, I, I pretty much can tell you exactly what it's going to cost to develop a lot just by looking at the dirt now and keep in mind, that still varies some, but I can pretty much tell I me mean, we, we've done really, really well, or, or I should say Craig has done really well with me kind of letting me understand that you don't need to know every detail, but I still, until I get over that hump, I've got to know. And so that's what I loved about Sean.
1: Yeah. For sure. So. Um, well, as far as follow up for me uh, from last week's episode, I've done exactly what you have. I've continued to implement the reinvesting in myself. Um, the magazines that I talked about during the last episode have now been printed. Um, they are in their they're in the mailbox on the way to their destination. Uh, I also had a listing that I put online that got five offers in 24 hours. And what the market's I, still hot? It I don't. Is. I mean, it I, is.
0: I'd be a liar to tell you that I didn't think this would cool it off quite a bit sure um, but I don't know I don't I don't, I don't I don't think so well what I
1: did was I, I had four people who were obviously upset that they didn't get the house that I had listed so I farmed that community and this is this is good advice for for you Zach, or for any agents who are listening if you take a listing in a development or in a, a subdivision, and you have multiple offers, your very next step should be to start mailing out to the neighbors or mm-hmm. go door knock. If, if you don't mind getting in front of people, go door knock and go door knock those neighbors and say, hey, look guys, I had five offers in 24 hours, and I have four frustrated buyers who want to buy in this neighborhood right now. Mm -hmm. So would you be willing to sell your house at the right price? If they say yes, that's your foot into the door. And then you're not lying. You have four offers that did not get the one that you were just listing. You can bring those buyers straight over there, let them look at it. Of course, they have an agent, right? So that agent's going to get paid. You need to negotiate this commission with the seller and say, I will be representing you. They do have an agent. This is the agent. We need to pay them as well. This is the amount that, you know, we generally pay or what, you know, commissions are right. negotiable, right? Of course. you know, whatever. Uh, but anyway, so you've got your foot into the door, you have four buyers that you can go in and, and let's say you get a neighbor to bite. Well, then you have three more. And so you can keep hammering that development or that subdivision and possibly get four or five more transactions out
0: of it. It's really funny is that you say that is I literally this morning invested in a tool. We already had one tool where um, we're able to get phone numbers for, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much don't get me wrong. They're not all right. 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 Um, But for pretty much any, any persons, I mean, their cell phone, anything like that. Of course, obviously there's do not call lists, things like that. So you have to be careful about how you're doing it. But sure. Um, we kind of take the approach of not trying to sell people anything right right off the bat when we get on the call. We want to talk to them about what their dreams and their goals are and things like that. But at the same time, I went ahead and invested in the second tool this morning, which is it's a predictive tool. Mm -hmm. So it looks at demographics, looks at potential sales. And we're are able to do that exact same thing with commercial and residential properties. So for example, if we take a listing somewhere, like you just said, and we do have five offers, or we even if we don't, we can literally see the other properties in that neighborhood that have the all the factors. Don't get me wrong they're not perfect, right. right? It's, it's just a probability, you know, I've heard about percentage. services like that. And the thing they do is they scan
1: like the magazines that are going to the house, the, the mm-hmm. coupons that they're using at the stores social and media, all that made it social yeah, that media, metadata, everything. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. and what's really interesting is you can, you can also, we're taking it a step further and I don't want to give too much away sure. on what, what I'm working on, but, uh, I, I'm actually building the database around people's social media as well. Um, and being able i'm going to market direct through social media to this database so um i'm very excited about that i think that's a really interesting tool because i do think as the market itself becomes more and more virtual that if you are not actively marketing yourself on social media whether it's linkedin as from a business standpoint it's facebook from a you know b2c you know b2c standpoint like for housing and things like that you're you're really really missing what what you could be doing in this market So Seth, this week,
1: we've come up with a topic that a lot of people struggle with, and that's when to pull the trigger, whether it be to start your business, whether it be on a particular investment property, or a particular partnership that maybe you've been uh, you know, mulling over for the last few weeks, years, however long it's been. So uh,
0: you want to start with that? Yeah, so that's obviously, like you said, that's the hardest thing for most people. You know, we all can dream. It's easy for, you know, to sit in the chair and daydream about what your life would look like and what your business would look like, all those different things when you're just talking about it or you're just thinking about it. Um, Taking action is very difficult for most people. And so I kind of wanted to share some some practical tips that I kind of try to go by when I'm looking at investment property or, or a business for that matter. Sure. Um, you know, we've talked about starting other companies and some other things like that. And for me, you know, I look at really three things. One, is there a need if it's a business or if it's, if it's a pro- investment property, is there a need for that property in that market? And, and what I do is, for example, with an investment property, I'm looking at, you know, what are, if it's a, re- or a rental property, let's say it's a rental house. I'm looking, is it, is there a need meaning? what are the vacancy rates like is rent growth happening you know um, how quicker you know how pro- quick are properties being rented i'll call property managers in the area and be like hey how quick are you renting your properties over here like find any problems with properties over here what what is so i'm looking for that need number 1 number 2 i'm looking as their wedge and I, I, I use that term because I've I've always just said is there some equity that I could buy? But I I started following this guy on YouTube. His name's Meet Kevin. He's kind of funny, <laughs> a younger cat from Florida. Um, but he talks about wedge deals and those wedge deals meaning there's some sort of equity in the deal that you're per- like when you're purchasing. Some type of equity. Yes, okay. yes. So you know we always hear the, the the term in real estate. You make your money when you buy. Right. I. I believe that philosophy wholeheartedly. I think when you are buying a property, if its current retail market is two hundred thousand, let's say it needs no work, it's just you're buying it to rent it. Market rate's two hundred thousand. You've got to buy some equity in that property, preferably above ten percent. You need to be able to buy that property at one hundred eighty or less. Um, It just protects your investment in the long term and puts your risk level low. Of course, the third thing is, is what is it? You know, what is it? Cash flow. You know, what's the cash flow at the end of the day? What's going to be my return on investment? Uh, Lastly, what's my exit strategy? We've talked about that before. For sure. Um, And really, to to be honest, I do start normally with the exit strategy. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm kind of starting from the beginning to the end here. Uh, The exit strategy, of course, what do I plan or how long do I plan on holding this property? And how long do I plan or what do I do what am I going to sell it for? right like what are properties doing in the area obviously you can't perfectly predict that but you can get a generalized rule like what's how much is the market appreciating now what was it appreciating like 5 years ago cuz it's going to be somewhere in that range right especially considering growth in Nashville like That same growth is not going to continue to happen like as far as pricing goes it's just we've we've as soon as builders catch up like that's been the reason that Nashville's home value have continued to to escalate. Builders have not been able to build houses fast enough. A lot of that has to do with, you know, we're understaffed at the government level. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into that supply chain issues. We're in the middle of the country right this right is, it's not easy to get lumber and things like that when you don't live on a coast right um it's just there's a lot of those things and those factors that attribute to that but
1: and just ultimately get, let, let me just pause right there uh china has been a big influencer on that over the last two months too because uh, a lot of the tile that we use you know building mm-hmm. the 600 homes that our regional builder builds mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. um a lot of the tile a lot of the quartz. actually i think it's something like 90 percent of the world's quartz comes from china yeah so i mean it's it's just one of those things where uh, a lot of the products you use inside the house you may think yeah you go down to Home Depot or Lowe's to buy them you can <laughs> but most of that still comes from China
0: yeah well and the thing is too like you just said we we ship a lot of those raw materials out to China and then they ship it back to us so you got to think the turnaround time if we mine quartz here ship it to China to be prefabricated and then ship it back what do you think that turnaround time is? right that's got to be Four months minimum. You would think uh, You know, I mean, it, it takes two or three weeks just to ship it on a ship from the port to China and back. So there's two months, basically, just in travel time, let alone manufacturing, you know, getting it to the ports back and forth from the factories, those kind of things. So, you know, it's a minimum four months um, but, again, I think we all know that the supply chain itself is going to start to change after this last situation. This with- has
1: nothing to do with construction, but the Tyson CEO yesterday, Tyson Foods, mm-hmm. came out and said that uh, the supply chain we had six months ago is basically completely gone right now. He no. said that it's completely breaking down and he's not sure how we're going to fare over the next well, few you, months. you
0: have to think too with and of course we don't want to get way off on a tangent with product and, and economies but you have to think that when a pandemic like this happened right the spread of that pandemic is the most important thing to everybody i mean think about how many people have been deathly scared over this and there's still people that are oh, for sure. deathly scared right now that we're opening it back up may 1st you know i mean i see people on facebook all the time saying i'm not going back to work you know and it's like "We don't have a job but anyway that being said Um, you know, you, you look at it from that perspective, we're going to have to change things like the way we've been doing it, either, either regulations are going to get, have to get tighter, meaning more cost, more, all those things, meaning, you know, to keep the spread down. Right. Or we're going to have to look at manufacturing at home. One of the two, that's, those are really the two only options that I can foresee because I don't think there's any other one. So that being said, getting back to the real, like getting back to pulling the trigger, you know. Once I've got kind of those four factors in place, if I I kind of built out a spreadsheet that said it it basically has tick marks that say yes or no, pretty much. (laughs) If I've got at least 10% equity that I'm buying, there'll be a check over there. If I've got at least X number in cash flow and or IRR is what I call it, internal rate of return. We've talked about that on other podcasts. If I have an exit strategy that I think is completely achievable based upon market demographics, and then, you know, again, I I feel like the acquisition itself is going to be smooth. There's no underlying problems with the property or whatever. I'm, I'm ready to pull the trigger at that point. For sure. What about you? So it's very similar. I mean, I, th- I think that anybody in business or
1: anybody who owns their own business kind of has their own their own template for for when they're going to pull that trigger but they're all going to be very very similar why
0: why do you think that's so important have well, a system that works.
1: You have to because it's got to be trackable. It has to be measurable. Otherwise, you can't replicate, right? Yep. I mean, the thing is, is that if you don't look at your inventory of failures and your inventory of successes, figure out what made this one a failure and what made this one a success, and then make sure you're replicating the success over what you did on the failure, then you're never going to be successful in business.
0: And now, Go when ahead. you're replicating success, sure, is there still a chance that it may fail, even Absolutely. though you're doing the exact same template? Absolutely, because the right. template has to change all the time, right? Right. And
1: like, like we talked about before, you know, I would, I would be completely comfortable buying a property at eighty to eighty-five uh, percent loan to value six months ago. Today, I'm not touching it at eighty-five mm-hmm. to eighty percent loan to value, you know, I'm going to want it somewhere in the 60 range, because I don't know what the market's going to do, right. And so the template's always going to change. But it just comes down for me, it's very, very simple. I put it on paper or on a spreadsheet or on something that I can physically see. Mm -hmm. And if it makes sense in paper, or on paper, rather, because paper is uh, objective, it's not subjective, right? right? You put down the numbers, if the numbers make sense, I move on it. If it doesn't, I find a different way or I don't move on it at all. I I go through every strategy or exit strategy or entry strategy or whatever you want to look at. I put each option down on paper. And if none of them make sense, it's not a deal. I won't move forward. I won't pull the trigger. If one of them makes sense, I will see if any of the other strategies also make sense and which one gives me the best bottom dollar. But I'm just not afraid to, to make deals anymore or pull the trigger on deals because I know the formula. And the formula is putting it on paper objectively looking at it on that paper, not letting emotions or your fear of not getting the deal or your fear of of whatever getting in the way, putting it on paper, see if the numbers make sense. And if the numbers make sense, you pull the trigger. It's that simple.
0: So do you pass on more deals than you take? Oh, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And and not only that, but I make a ton of offers. So for every one deal I get, I probably, some people say they do a hundred offers and get one deal. It's not nearly that bad for me because I won't make offers if I know for a fact that that there's no chance. Like I'm not going to go to a builder and ask for a 30% reduction on their retail price just because it's been sitting there for 300 days, you know, because right. it's been a new build, right? They put it on early. I'm right. not going to go to a builder and waste my time putting an offer in 30% below market value on a new home. But if I see, you know, the yard's not maintained, I'll go drive a property. If it's been on the MLS for a while, the yard's not being maintained, it appears to be vacant. I'm going to come back. I'm going to put those number on a spreadsheet or write them down at least nine times out of ten on a spreadsheet, uh, because I can do math. I'm good at math, <laughs> but it's easier if the computer will do it for me. So I'll throw it What if it on you're a... not good at math? What
0: about for those people that are not Ser- good at math? Seriously a spreadsheet. I mean you can download Templates. Um, I always say you can find someone on Fiverr to do it for ten bucks. Uh, that's absolutely
1: true too. You <laughs> absolutely can. Um, and, and I've got something in the uh, week in my shoes that I just outsourced to Fiverr that I'm going to talk about. But uh, anyway, so you can find that online. You can plug it into a spreadsheet. It completely takes the fear out of pulling the trigger. It it does. It really does. I mean. As long as you can look at it on an objective piece of paper that shows that this is what you're going to put in, this is what you're going to get out of it, and what you're going to get out of it is higher or greater than what you're going to have to put in, and the risk is low, there's no reason not to move
0: forward, not to pull that trigger. No, I I agree with you hardly, I think. You have to have it. To where you can see it tangibly, you know. I, I spoke on that. You're, that's what you're speaking on. If you don't, if you don't, what you're doing is you're still just you're just still thinking about it from a theoretical standpoint, right? And theories <laughs> breed fear. Look at what we are going through right now. Theory that it got released from a lab in Wuhan. The theory that it got that it was a biological weapon. The theory that it was this. The theory that it was that. And all those things breed and and you know breed panic and fear. Sure. And so if you can look at things from a tangible way, like. People now have done and put numbers to a spreadsheet. Right. You can see that while I'm not discounting the effects of coronavirus by any means, right. the way that was portrayed when it was first. Right. discovered is not even close to what it actually is. They were taking
1: educated guesses. Yep. But those guesses were still just that. They were guesses. theoretical. You can't do that. They're in, theoretical. You at can't the do the, it in business, mm-hmm. right? right? They could do it in this because they, they, they didn't have any hard data to, to, exactly. to be able to put to it yet because China wasn't being honest about what was happening over there. And originally, they said the death rate for everybody who contracted it was close to 3%. Now that we actually have hard... I heard
0: 10% at one time. Yeah, well... I was like,
1: the, what? Yeah, the the, the main concept <laughs> Common thread that I remember hearing was 3%. And now it's somewhere about 10 times more fatal than the flu. But the flu is like 0.01. And mm-hmm. this is like 0.1% mm-hmm. fatal. Mm-hmm. So I mean, regardless of, of the way you look at it, it comes back to what we were just talking about, which is putting numbers on a spreadsheet or on a piece of paper, seeing what the values come out to be. And if you're, uh, if what you can achieve is greater than what you're going to have to invest there's no reason not to pull that trigger.
0: So this is a, a great thing to kind of end this segment on, which is data. Right. So where do you go get the data? For those of you that are not real estate agents, ask a realtor to get you the data. Right. Do it with someone that you know is knowledgeable and trustworthy because there are plenty of them out there that are just gonna go pull you a few market reports and they're not gonna dig into the numbers with you.
1: And, and don't trust, don't trust them. Okay. Get get several people. Yeah, I, I, for mean, sure. I mean, I'm for sorry sure. for to be cynical, but you know, especially if it's somebody who has a a monetary benefit from giving you those numbers. If it's an agent who wants to help you buy that property and they're a buyer's agent, they're more like, I mean, look, we're not supposed to think with our pocketbooks, but let's say that agent, especially in this, in this environment, in this community right now, or in this economy right now, this, these agents probably, I mean, I, I, and you are not in this boat, but most of them haven't had a closing in 60 days or more. And so, you know, they're going to be looking at the commission that they can make off of that sale. You need to get somebody who, is not you know who is not it really invested in that sale for you and if you want them to help represent you that's fine but it's got to be somebody who you trust and it needs to be especially if it's a wholesaler or somebody who's bringing you the property you really need to analyze those numbers because they have a huge benefit well, or you're, they're you're exact, benefit
0: big yeah and you're exactly right in the sense that you should have multiple opinions too yeah you know I We've talked before about, I've had a few different people reach out to me over the years wanting me to mentor them. And I literally, my advice is always go start looking at deals and look at the numbers because at some point a pattern will emerge for you don't get me wrong it's not probably going to happen the first five deals you look at but once you get to 100 150 deals that you've looked at whether you've bought one of them or not you will start to see the pattern and then what i would challenge you to do is of those 150 deals it when you first get started 150 deals is going to take you 30 days to look at easily go back see what the ones that you've looked at have closed for get on the tax records see what they closed for see if your numbers were in line then make adjustments
1: you can also take the name of the person who purchased the property Property, plug it into Google, especially if it's an LLC, like all of the properties I buy, call them and say, Hey, you mind me asking what you spent to renovate that property? You take that budget that they tell you, plus the sales price that you saw online, figure
0: out what your profit could have been had you closed on that deal. 100%. You know, it's funny, you know, we've got Zach here today, and this is actually a perfect lead in to him. When he first got into being an agent was looking for things to do really more than anything, because when you first get in, if you don't have leads and you don't have things, you're just trying to figure out, well, what the heck can I be freaking doing right now? So I basically just hired him as like a virtual admin and said, I want you to go through every zip code in Greater Nash. I want you to put together um, like the average sales price from, so what what I did was I did 2010 and older. Everything that was built before 2010, he did the average sales price, the average square footage, the average price per square foot, the average rent, rental rate for those markets, everything in 2017. Then he did the same thing in 2018. And then the percentage change of each, like what, how it had grown. Then he went 2000. 19 did the same thing and What's really interesting is, is just last week, we sat down and started looking at those zip codes to try to identify particular zip codes we want to potentially start looking for property in, whether it's family rentals, whether it's maybe some development ground for a build-to-rent subdivision or multifamily or whatever. And what's funny is, is or what you will find, is that certain zip codes you will find across crossed out all of it. Well, what does that tell me from a data standpoint? That tells me that that's a zip code I want to target. Mm-hmm. And I know now, by looking quickly looking at this spreadsheet. I mean, it, again, another spreadsheet, right? But I can go to Zach or Zach can find a property. He could just go and start searching property in that area. He could find a property and go, hey, Seth, listen, I found this property. You know, it's 1,500 square foot in 37209 and it's, you know, they're wanting 180 for it. I'm pretty sure I've got one comp down the street that just sold for 275 This doesn't look like it needs a whole lot of work. We could probably also rent it for $2,200 a month. What do you think? I can, just from him telling me that, I can go... Go write an offer for $165,000. let us see what happens. Again, the numbers take away all fear. And and, and it takes away time, too. Yep. You know, in today's market, where we're going, time is going to be the, the biggest thing. Because there are going to be people, and I, I'm not saying this from a take advantage standpoint. It's going to sound that way at first, but right. let me tie it in. There are going to be people that are in dire straits and in trouble from them. Absolutely. That need saving. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Obviously, saving there's a profit revolved around that from an investor standpoint, but there are going to be people that their credit worthiness is on this line. Their financial stability is on the line. There are going to be opportunities. And if you are sitting on the forefront of that and you can make a quick decision to help those people, you stand to be profitable in your investment business. So Brian, that wraps up uh that particular section and goes into a week in our shoes. So what did you guys get done this last week?
1: So I had a lot going on this week, actually. So, you know, our buddy Trey has been running a TV commercial. Uh, I think we've talked about that several times. Well, he got me in contact with Nick, his media guy. And so you had mentioned Fiverr earlier uh, regarding spreadsheets. Well, I reached out to a guy who had done some work for me on Fiverr before, which was a voiceover. Mm -hmm. And then also a girl who'd done some animation for me. And so I had a uh, animated commercial uh, developed. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I saw okay. it. On, on yeah, an animated, yeah, an animated, yeah, an animated commercial developed uh, with a voiceover, and it looks really freaking cool, actually. And uh, so it's a 30 second spot, and we're running it on News Channel Two or News Channel 12 starting tomorrow. And wow. so uh, basically, what it is, it's uh, it's a depiction of a guy who says his name's Brian that he's a landlord and that he is tired of having to chase his rent and do all this. Anyway, long story short, it goes through the struggles that a landlord has to do. With uh, presents my company as the solution and what solutions we provide, and then a promotional rate if you call based upon the commercial of five percent instead of ten percent. Oh, wow! And that's for the first 12 months of management. After that, it goes back to ten percent. Sure, so very interested to see how that turns out. I've never ran a TV commercial, uh, (laughs) and actually, they're not as expensive as I thought they would be. Um, you know, really, yeah, for 45 spots over the first or over the next month, uh, it's a thousand bucks. So, it's not bad, no, it's not bad at all. And you're on channel 12? Channel 12, yeah. Nice. And so we're going to try it on channel 12, see how many, if any, conversions that I get. Uh, And then if I don't get anything, I'm going to try channel 2. And then I'm going to try to split 50-50 on each. And then if I don't get anything within the first three months, I'm probably going to back off of it.
0: Right. But, so, so how did you go about doing that? You said this Nick guy, is he just a media buyer? He is. He's just a media gotcha. buyer. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I, I had to come up with the content. With, no, no. With I had them. to come
1: up with the content. I had to come up with, uh, you know, the message I had to do all of that. And again, I'm not a creative person, right? I mean, I, right. I've got good ideas, uh, right. but I don't know how to implement them. And so I can't tell you, I think I was going over it with my wife last night or the night before when I submitted. The uh, it was a few nights ago actually when I submitted the order for the animation and stuff and the voiceover. I think I had done 67 orders in the last six months on Fiverr. I mean. I outsource as much as I can because I know I'm not the expert in everything.
0: I think it's very crucial, you know, at a certain point in your business. You know, we were talking about earlier about you know predictive marketing and things like that. You know, that's the direction that we're going. You know, with with mailers and and letters and and again social media advertisements and things like that is just hiring that out. You know, I've I've got a guy that designed my website, Monarch Development, like for our development company, and he did a absolute fantastic job. He's it not looks cheap. good. He's not cheap, but um, he did a great job. And then um, again, I've got some other ventures that we're working on. That He's going to help with, and they're going to do everything from you know shooting video for us to editing to ad design, everything. And so like it's not it's not cheap either, and you know I've been working towards that, but that's the 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 goal to like basically be able to create my own PR campaigns and my own um you know my own branding. Sure. So that's that's very crucial I think because again I'm not a creative person either. I, I you can put me on the phone with somebody, or you can put me to, at a desk with somebody to negotiate a deal. Sure. Or, whatever, and I, I will thrive. Or you can put me in a spreadsheet. Right. But outside of that, right. you know, I'm, I'm definitely not creative visually. I, I, I think the best, Picture I ever painted in my whole life was a, a lion when I was in school, and to me, I look at it now and it kind of just looks like a big yellow blob in the, middle of the <laughs> canvas. So <laughs> well, I,
1: I feel you. Yeah, I'm not a creative either. Uh, and then the the last thing is is you know you and I open diet investments, yeah, and uh, we have, we have partnered up at this point. It is official. Uh, we had talked about it once in the past already, but it is now official. And uh, also we've got a contract on that quadplex that we were talking about that we've talked about several times.
0: Yep. Obviously, Corona slow us down a little bit on that and you know now we're we're still working through some issues to get it done but it, it seems i mean it, again it's one of those what we just talked about it, it t- ticks all the boxes it's a wedge deal you know we can go over more specific numbers once we're locked in after through you know inspection period and all that right. stuff but um it will cash flow we kind of have an interesting value or not value proposition but an interesting business plan yeah around that because um we've we've been able to secure um financing that that allows us not to really put that much exactly really no cash into the deal itself and we're still creating quite a bit of equity day one yeah. and should be able to turn that property within a year's time and if either keep it or decide to sell it or refinance it or whatever into a uh, a very profitable absolutely. Venture.
1: and just to be a little bit less cryptic, guys, on your next deal, ask for owner financing. all you can do is ask. yeah all they can do is say no. I mean, we're in a situation where we're going to be paying interest only for five years um, at a little bit higher interest rate than what we would with a commercial bank, mm-hmm. but um, we only have to put you know forty thousand dollars into the deal, and that property is worth three twenty five.
0: Right, and and the thing is, just on top of that, you know, not to add this a little bit more context to it, we are paying interest only for five. We have the option to go five years. Correct. The goal is go yeah. is literally to turn this as quickly as possible, solidify all the leases in year one. For the second year, maybe at a slight increase if we can. If we can't, no big deal because there's still plenty of equity. Put all monies back and then refi it so that we've got cash reserves, we got everything. We should be able to pull a little bit of cash out. Worst case scenario, maybe able to pull quite a bit of cash out best case scenario, or we could sell the property at that point And then 1031, that money into, into something, something
1: else. else. Yeah. So exactly. What about you? What do you have,
0: man? We've been busy this week. Um, you know, before the show started, I was telling you about, we've been negotiating a deal now. Uh, I think it started in, into February. Uh, there were some issues on our buyer side. We represent the buyer in this. It's a, it's a commercial transaction. Um, There were some issues on the buyer side early because of the COVID thing. They were doing an SBA loan because they're buying the building and the business, and the SBA shut down SBA loans when they started the PPE program. Pretty much. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were there were deals still going through, but they he was still early enough on in the process that they shut him down. So we got a rejection letter for a highly qualified buyer. You know, highly qualified uh, borrower, excuse me. And we got a rejection letter. So that sucked. Um, So we had to go back to the drawing board and try to find another lender and restructure the financing and all that stuff. And then we ran into some issues with the seller's books. I won't go (laughs) into details there, but, um, not great. Um, and so now we're trying to figure out how to land this plane because it's a pretty hefty commission check that we've been working on for three months and I really want it, you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. Like we talked earlier, you know, that there is a monetary, um, gain for me in this and that I am motivated, but we also actually worked really, really hard to negotiate this deal. We know that our that our client as a buyer wants this deal, needs this deal, you know, would turn this business around. Sure. So um, we're trying to just figure out whatever. And we're actually, it's funny you just talked about earlier about owner financing. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get them to just owner finance it for a year. He'll put up a fairly substantial down payment and then he can just refi out of it in a year's time. Now, I know you so. just talked
1: about a commission check, but you ha- this is a repeat client, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So your relationship with this client is, and keeping that client happy is worth way more to you than this commission check that oh, you're going to get. percent So I just wanted 100%. to make sure these and guys understand that that's really where your value, the value 100%. that you're bringing in, that's I why mean, you're wanting that to close.
0: To, to, to elaborate a little more on the deal too, and, and the client, you know, when this fell apart because of the, or not fell apart, but when it started to fall apart because of the seller's books, he literally called me the, the very next morning when we relayed the information and was like, what can we do to stay in this? You know, because there's substantial opportunity there. I mean, in reality, the company's making a good amount of money right now, and it's only operating at about 67% capacity. Oh, wow. So knowing that, I know who he is and like how he's operated his other companies that are in the similar field as this. I know he'll turn it around. It's just getting it acquired. Right. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing is, is we are looking at a number of opportunities and we have been for a while. Uh, I'm a little bit sick right now. I've, I've missed out on two deals in the last eight days or so. One deal is for my big client from New York. We were going to write right around a 12 or 13 million dollar Uh, LOI for um, a it's a medical office building in Murfreesboro and it went under contract. Uh, However, this is this is advice for future agents and or, you know, investors that want to try to make deals happen. When you find out a deal is under contract, don't just scrap it, especially if it's a deal, you know, that you really want to get on. So what we did. I and mean, in commercial real estate, of course, is a little different than than residential. There, the the you can still have conversations with sellers that you're not that that is represented by another person, especially if they own multiple properties. So we reached out. We again, I my partner calls me the super stalker because I can pretty much <laughs> figure out anybody's contact information, and I'm not afraid to call them. So we called the developer that owns this property and found out that not only that, but they own pretty much every office building on this street. Oh, wow! they own other stuff in Mount Juliet, Lebanon, Hendersonville. This is all medical office too, by the way. And so, um, we talked to him for a little while. Well, actually my partner did. And he basically told us that, the offer currently is just a look and see offer. So they've got a 30 day due diligence period and they'll either back out or they won't. So it's been under contract for about a week and a half. So we're just kind of sitting on our hands for the next two and a half weeks, waiting to see if they're gonna stay in or or get out. Our hopes is they're gonna get out because our buyer's ready. ready. Sure. I mean they've got they they raised fifty million dollars during this COVID pandemic. And so they're sitting here going, we need some money to spend. Oh, we got some money to spend. So we're looking at a deal for them for that. We're also looking at a deal in Memphis for them that's a big shopping center. Um you know I don't know where it'll go. It's a little bit out of market for them, but it was an interesting value proposition. And the other deal I lost out about, on, I just talked to you about yesterday. Um, I'm hoping beyond hope that it's like a wholesaler or somebody that um, backs out, backs out right. or, or whatever. It's already been under contract once and I missed out the first time because when I got word of the deal, it had like nine offers on it. And I was like, I'm not fooling with this. (laughs) Right. And so, but what we did is I had my partner who was actually made the contact, reach out to them and say, look, if this ever falls apart, call us first, please call us. Well, it fell out of contract about a week and a half ago. They called us, but they called us and three other people. And it kind of like irritated me a little bit, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and look at the deal. So I dug into the deal and figured out that there were massive expenses that could be cut, um, taking this property from the average cap rate in Nashville to almost 40% more, um, in NOI and net net operating operating income. Yeah. Right. So just to to talk about cap rates, those that don't, you know, maybe a little more layman's term was taking it from about a 6.9 six point nine cap, which is, you know, basically seven cap, um, to write out a ten cap. So once I looked at those numbers, I was like, okay, let's make this offer. So we made an offer and they'd actually so I guess the owner's kind of old school from what I was told. And he doesn't do computerized stuff. So the guy <laughs> that was talking to him to go over and pitch the deal, it's an agent actually, it's all like a pocket listing. And um he did not, he took those two offers over, and my offer came in after he'd already left. Oh, man. And so they accepted another offer, but that offer was supposed to have by today. A, a pre-approval letter sent to them and I never heard anything back yay or nay yesterday so I'm hoping no news is good news because I, I really really want that property I think <laughs> I mean I'm paying 50 a little over $50,000 a unit and there's a comp up the street that I mean don't get me wrong it's a little bit nicer re- right, renovated sure. but just sold for 95000
1: nice and that's it for this week's episode thank you guys for joining us once again for this episode of the Real Estate Investing Show if you need to reach Seth or myself reach out to us on our Facebook page at The Real Estate Investing Show, or visit us on our website, which is therealestateinvestingshow.fm.
0: To go into the after show today to to elaborate actually even a little more on what we did last week or what we talked about last week and that's the best advice I've ever received talking about vertical integration if you can find multiple businesses um, that feed into each other that allow revenue to generate you know cohesively for sure that's that's what you're looking for whether you know you're a builder or you're an investor or you're a developer or an agent or whatever when you can start to you know, that's why a lot of these national home builders now have their own real estate agency. They have their own, you know, development company. They have their own excavation company. They have right. all those things because they're vertically integrating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in what's the word I'm looking for here in uh, that theme, you know, carrying on with that theme, I'm working on starting another company with a actual client of mine and my brother here, you know, Zach's here today. and um, That would be vertically integrated within our business. We are looking to start a company that basically helps with health when it regards to your home. Okay. Meaning, um, Protection against contaminant, okay? okay? And again, I can't elaborate too much just yet. It's just something that we're very excited about. I I really think it's going to give, you know, from a real estate standpoint uh, of competitive edge to those who are involved, especially given the current times that we're in, whether that's commercial, residential, uh, you know, any of that stuff. I think this particular industry was actually designed years ago. It's over uh, over about 14 years old, the company. But during the time when it was founded, the product itself didn't catch on. The way it should have because there was no pandemic there was nothing like that now with this we are going to be able to safeguard homes properties residents that are going back to work against potential outbreak Hmm. um it's something that you know we have a client that we're my brother actually is representing him to buy his first house does it have
1: something to do with light bulbs no Okay, because no. I've heard of this idea of replacing all of your lights in your house with UV lights, um, huh. because the UV rays do kill the. Uh, we have a great tan, probably. Yeah, <laughs> so I, 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 don't. I'm sure there's a different spectrum, right? That won't burn you or the, anything like that. I was going to say bringing the beach to Canada, right? You know, like holy crap. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. But no,
0: I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Uh, There's going to be some tremendous opportunities around it um, with, you know, for us from a real estate standpoint, we're going to be able to market home for people and for ourselves that have this technology in it. Um, It's not expensive and, you know, it it can be done on base, like basically like a service, right? Hmm. Um, You could set up a treatment once a year if you wanted to. You do it once a month, whatever you want to do. There's a way to do it and and to help. You know, again, are are we saying that? or what am I? Am I saying that this is a, a product that eliminates disease? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I mean, you're still going to have people get the flu. You're still going to have people sure. get colds. So, but what this does is it allows your home to, for lack of a better term. But it's everywhere right now. Flatten the curve a little bit. Okay. And so I'm very excited about it. I, again, I will. I'll have more details in the weeks to come. Um, we're we're trying to get everything rolling out. But I mean, this this will probably be starting. We'll be doing our first treatment. Your first so. treatment. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, it's not chemo. But it's like <laughs> chemo for your house. All right. Let's put it that way.